the America's Jobs Team Podcast for economic developers by economic developers. Join the Consultant Connect team every Thursday for discussions surrounding the latest in our industry. Learn from fellow economic development heroes, get leadership advice, keep on top of industry trends and shifts, and so much more. You are a part of America's Jobs Team. And we're so glad that you're tuning in. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the America's Jobs Team. I'm Carla Sones, and I am excited to be back with you all for another episode with a top 50 economic developer. And this top 50 economic developer may be new to some of you, but he's not new to the Consultant Connect family. We have known Cal for a little while and are just thrilled to have him take time to be on the podcast to share with all of you. So I am just so pleased to have Cal Ray, who is the president of the Development Authority of Augusta, Georgia, with us today on the podcast. And we're going to dive into what's happening in Augusta, Georgia, um, a little bit about Cal's career in economic development, who he's looking up to, and all the things. But before we dive in, Cal, thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thank you for having me today. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Cal, let's let's just start with what I know a lot of people are thinking. You get to do, and I'm going to underline get and like almost put it in like bold red, because you get to do economic development in Augusta, Georgia, which many think that Georgia is just really one of the top states to do economic development in already. But then when you think about Augusta, Georgia, many people think about the beautiful course and the master's. And so I'm just curious to hear from you as an economic developer in that region, what is the impact of having the masters in your backyard mean to you? And and maybe what do you wish people knew about Augusta, Georgia outside of just hosting the masters? Well, and that's a great question because most people do know Augusta just for the masters. Now that's a blessing and a curse. The blessing is everyone knows where Augusta is, whether you're dealing with a German prospect, a Japanese project, or a, de- or a domestic project, everyone tends to know where Augusta is, even if all they know is the masters, they at least know where you are on a map, and they have the desire to be here first week of April. You know, and that has a huge impact, the number of people that come in that week, the national itself putting money back into the community with their philanthropic pieces, um, the tourism it drives, the job creation it drives that week, but You know, the the course is only open six months of the year to their members, but they have staff full year round. So they're they're a driver even outside of that week or two weeks now with the women's amateur. But getting here and I will tell you, the only professional golf tournament I've ever been to is the Masters. So I don't have a point of reference. Uh, But then that week, being able to bring in prospects, bring in leaders from out the country, bringing in, you know, community leaders, bringing in state economic development people, it leaves a lasting impression that makes economic development different than in many places I've been being across the Southeast and doing this in several states now. But what people don't know is the diversity within the economy here in Augusta. We're one of the top 20 most diverse MSAs in the country. The things that people don't know is we have a national lab just over the state line in Aiken, South Carolina. So a national federal research lab. We have the Army's Fort Gordon, which is cybersecurity, but also their signal command that employs 30,000 people. And then what you know drives us is we have 25,000 people in manufacturing. Then we have 25,000 people in healthcare. So we have a very diverse economy that you never want to say recession-proof, but it gives us some balance. So even when a few years ago when textiles went down in the you know late 90s, 
when chemical went down because we still have a huge chemical base in manufacturing. We still have a huge advanced manufacturing base. And then what I've been very pleased with, because people you know, Robbie Bennett and Will Williams and Aiken and Robbie Bennett in Columbia County, Georgia, we travel together, we work together, we market the region together. And while we do compete, we do it in a way where we're not com truly competing against each other. We all know what the other one's doing. And, you know, sometimes we even go, here's the incentive package I'm giving. Just so you know, you're not getting, you're not negotiating against yourself because here's what I'm doing. And that helps us a lot. We win some, we lose some, but the economic development teams here truly do work together. Now we compete and we're very competitive and we give each other a hard time. But now we have all the people coming in with cybersecurity from Maryland, from DC, from California. And as you've seen that even the politics of Georgia have changed. Mm -hmm. going from a solidly red state to a purple state. And, you know, Augusta being in a red state, a traditional red state, we are very far blue. So that just adds a different dynamic to it. So you get all of these great things in a community that keep the job interesting every day. And I think people just think of the masters, but Augusta and the region is so much more than that. I love that. And I, I it gives me like kind of a follow-up question because you started talking about just the political shift um, that we're seeing kind of across the country. But I love that you just kind of talk about like that impacts economic development. And I hear your excitement still. And sometimes when you talk to economic developers, the political climate and just the shift in politics and just the impact in economic development is really driving some people away from the profession versus like creating that like excitement. And I hear the excitement in your voice. And I'm curious, like what drives that excitement for you to like get up every day? You know, every day is going to be different, but what, what's kind of the driving force behind how you stay so passionate and excited about this profession? Well, it's, you know, it's probably a cliche answer, but you, you get to see the community change daily. And myself and my staff get to impact the community, whether it's working with our commission, whether it's working with state leaders, we get to impact their thought process. We get to impact the information that drives their decisions. And, and that really does drive it. But it also, we get to see great projects. Now we get to see some really bad projects too. So you get to see both. Uh, but fortunately here, we get to locate projects. And that's the biggest piece since, since I've been here just shy of five years. Three of my staff have been here just shy of five years. And then my longest serving member just finished her 25th year. So small team, but in those five years, we've been able to announce $1.7 billion of investment, primarily in manufacturing, almost 50 different projects that we've been able to put in the community. And when you're having success and you're having wins, that keeps everybody motivated, that keeps leadership, whether it's political leadership or whether it's community leadership, knowing what you're doing is working. And it keeps everybody, you know, pushing forward regardless of politics. And like I said, technically they don't run on, on R&D locally, but you still know our delegation is very strong Democrat. State leadership is very strong Republican, but fortunately we deal well with both sides. You know, we have a Republican governor who's done a great job. He's very supportive. He was here last week doing a groundbreaking for the largest German investment in state history. So both sides of the aisle, Republican and Democrat work well in Augusta. Yeah, that's awesome. So let's shift gears and talk a little bit about workforce because you all have had some steady growth and it's largely due to your landing new investment and your communities continuing to attract new talent. But I want to talk a little bit about just the shift in workforce because 
you're hearing, I think, companies, and because companies are struggling with it, communities are struggling with just the change in workforce patterns. And some of that is due to the pandemic, but some of it was kind of like long time coming. It may have it may have shortened what was already looming. We have people who want to be back in the office, some who don't want to be back in the office. You know, just the the way that people are, want to be trained and, and be engaged with as a employee has just shifted. Can you talk a little bit about how you've continued to help play a role in the growth of Augusta's labor pool and you're seeing that growth and what you think might be kind of driving some of those population trends? Yeah, so it is, our population is growing now. And, you know, I cover Augusta proper, which is Richmond County, but because of Will and Robbie and the surrounding, really, we draw from about 12 counties, they're all growing. They all have reasons they're growing, whether it's Amazon locating or Generac locating. Those were both in Columbia and Aiken. But the growth of the entire region, all of those communities growing, you know, Augusta is about 205,000. Columbia County is about 160. Aiken's probably 175. Those three all being within a 10-minute drive keep different options for people. Do you want to live in the suburbs? Do you want to live in the urban environment? Do you want to live in horse country? So you yep. get plenty of opportunities. And then like for Augusta, only 54.5% of our workforce live in Richmond County. So 46% of our workforce drives in every day. So you get this large commute area. But, you know, we have the largest retail base. We have the largest medical base of hospitals. You have DOD with Fort Gordon. You have DOE with the Savannah River site. And, you know, because of that, we have that, that meshing of manufacturing, cybersecurity, healthcare, health services. You know, one of the things that most people don't know is we're a top 20 place in the U.S. for engineers. So that helps drive. So you get you get more research and development. You have some corporate headquarters here. And because of those options, you got people coming in all the time, moving here, finding places to live. So our net migration in has continued to grow. Like our county, specifically Richmond, still has a high level of poverty. But that's one of the things that we track. Where are we going on poverty? How are we tackling it? How do we have community investment? Uh, but then workforce, you know, we have a large technical college with 3,500 students constantly putting people into the market. We have a research university here with 10,000 people, the fourth largest in the state. You know, you have a medical college, a dental college. So you have all of these assets that are helping to drive workforce, putting skills in. And the great thing about, you know, the technical college system of Georgia and our Augusta Tech is they work with manufacturers. They work with employers on the skill sets they specifically need. So you have that skill set and we constantly see that workforce continue to grow. Now, one blimp we saw during this COVID uh, last two years is, we had about 9,000 people drop out of the labor force. Mm -hmm. so how do we encourage those people back in? So that's been a big piece is when we recruit jobs, how do you get people either over the fear? Because at one point it was just straight fear. I don't want to be out. I don't want to be exposed to where do you find the right job and the right salary or you know wage rate that gets them back into the market? And that's yeah. been a big push for us is how do we keep that uh, workforce participation rate growing? Because that's what we have to have. Every community's experienced it from large to small. And fortunately for us, as we get compared to other communities across the country, our workforce compares very favorably. And that's why we see so many. We saw almost $30 billion of potential investment last year, and we're almost to $20 billion this year. And it's because of that workforce piece. They believe they can get the employees. Our existing manufacturers are glad to do interviews and really meeting with prospective competition for labor and tell them what's out there, what they either have trouble with or don't have trouble with. And fortunately for us, many times the question is we don't have trouble because we have such a large commute pattern 
coming in from 12 to 15 counties and people don't mind driving 45 minutes. Right. That's such a strong story. And I love that you started talking about some of the other metrics that you're tracking, like poverty and those types of things, because I think in economic development, there is becoming more and more of a role of how do you do economic development well and kind of match the the needs, wants, and desires of the community in a way that really is kind of socially responsible. And it sounds like you're trying to strike that balance. And you hear more and more about communities that land what we nationally would look at and be so jealous that you didn't get it, right? Like maybe you competed for a certain project and it didn't land here, but it went to another place. And then you you read the headlines of like the backlash of like, no, this isn't the right place for this company. How are you kind of integrating all of that into your plan? And how are you personally as a leader just kind of handling that need to promote growth, but have it also be really balanced with what's socially responsible and kind of keeping that quality of life. Like you said, people are locating there because they can live in the city or the suburbs or, you know, out in a horse farm. So how do you kind of manage all of those expectations? So I have two answers to that. One is we're not afraid to say no. Just because someone wants to invest and they want to create jobs doesn't mean it's the right jobs and it doesn't mean it's the right investment. So we're not afraid to say no. And we do it fairly often when someone wants to invest money. You know, we're not going to say, no, you can't locate here. Yes, you can locate here, but we're just not going to assist you. We don't think it's the right investment. If you want to take the risk, by all means, take the risk. But we really look at every company that comes here and is it a good fit? You know, are they environmentally responsible? Is it a product that's not going to be hazardous to the community? If it's a chemical project, what kind of safeguards do they take? How do they protect the surrounding area? How do they protect the water table? We look at all of that. Mm-hmm. and then. Do they have the financial resources to do the project? No matter how big or small they are, is the company dedicating the right resources to make it happen? But then more than that is, how does it fit within the social structure of the community? Do they want to be involved? Or are they going to be absentee? You know, you're going to go to work, work your eight to five or work your five to, five to midnight, and then the company has no role. Are they going to be a good corporate citizen? And mm-hmm. we look at all of that because we want the right fits. We want someone to want to be in Augusta. And yes, we do incentives. And yes, we do help people get here, but it's all based on the proper fit for the community. And that's what we look throughout. But then we've also, we're not the traditional economic development entity where you're just recruiting manufacturing. We're into office, we're into commercial, we're into retail. We'll assist multifamily residential. We'll assist workforce housing. Now, many times we don't have to provide incentives for that, but we provide a connection within planning and zoning. We help them navigate the local government structure. So we touch just about everything but single family residential. And we're even talking about how do you get the right infrastructure for single family residential? Because we need the the inventory of housing on the market and we need the population to continue to grow. So it's much more than the traditional industrial recruitment of the last 50 years. We've had to morph and evolve. And, you know, sometimes it gets you in trouble. You get into areas you're not accustomed with. We've had entertainment projects and we've had housing projects and we've had, you know, retail projects that don't, that turn out poorly and we get blamed for it. But we feel like we have to take a risk for the community to help continue to push it forward. Yeah. And I think that risk taking is it's something in economic development that if you don't have the willingness or the, the courage to kind of take risks, you kind of question like, how good are you going to be at this, at at driving community change? And you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. Um, And like you said, you're going to have some that maybe don't work out the way that you wanted to, but you just never know which ones are unless you take a few shots on goal. So I'm curious to hear from you, you know, we've been talking a lot about 
not only how Augusta is changing, but how the profession is changing and how maybe leadership and economic development is requiring some new skills. I'm curious to hear like what's on your leadership radar of like, gosh, I wish I knew more about this, or this is a leadership challenge that I wish that more economic developers were talking about together or trying to provide training solutions together, or is just a challenge for the profession right now that you feel like we should be talking about? Yeah, I do think training, you know, you used to have your four-year universities, your technical colleges, or your community colleges, depending on what state you're in. But if now development authorities are being pulled more and more into the training side, you know, we're not normally equipped for that. So how do you partner with the universities? How do you partner with the technical colleges? And we're doing it. We've received federal grants to do cybersecurity training and IT training and trying to create manufacturing programs or youth apprenticeships. And, you know, certain areas like youth apprenticeships, for example, starting at 16, you know, the new German company here, how do you put those in place? Sometimes easier said than done. Uh, You have some people with the right expertise. I think the things that keep me motivated is my peers' willingness to share. Anytime Mm -hmm. someone calls me that we've done something before, we want to share both the good and the bad. Where did we succeed? Where did we fail? What, What are the pitfalls you need to be aware of? So my peers who are willing to share those with me, because there's so many things I don't know and so many things we're willing now to try to get into. We try to find someone who's done it well before and can kind of tell us those stories. What was easy? What was hard? If you had to do it over again, what would you do differently? And we do those all the time. We were in Dayton, Ohio last week looking at an entrepreneur center for that very reason. They've done it extremely well around an Air Force base. And they were very kind of open book. Here's what's easy for us. Here's what's hard for us. And here's how much it costs us to do it. And that's it. A lot of time it's monetary. Can you sink $15 million in a project to try to make it work for the community? And then how do you convince your leadership to do that? Right. Okay. So I just have to ask because you've moved, you know, to a couple different locations and you've had great success in a lot of these places. And for many people, like being in Augusta is in some ways like a dream economic developer job. Like it's not a bad place to live. They have really good reasons why companies and people would locate in that region. And I'm just curious to you, like when you got into economic development, did you have kind of mentors along the way or tell us your, take us back to how you got into this and how you've become so successful in very different communities? So if we we go back to the beginning, I got into economic development really accidentally. I had done an internship at the county level in Alabama doing economic development. And when I was finishing my master's, I was, I passed the foreign service exam and I was waiting for my interviews in D.C. And the same local community I'd done the internship, except the city economic development office called and asked if I would come and help them. And I said, well, I got eight weeks. Be glad to help you for eight weeks. Three and a half years later, I was still there. I decided being the you know, kind of the research analyst, the existing industry person, and really creating the incentive packages for my bosses to deliver. Three and a half years was enough of that. That's when I moved to Georgia, took a number two role for a couple of years before taking the, the lead chair, and then been in Tennessee, and then back in Georgia now. And each community was a little larger, had a little bit more funding. So would I have ever expected to go from Coleman, Alabama, to Dublin, Georgia, to Clarksville, Tennessee, to Augusta, Georgia? If you would have asked me 19 years ago, I would have never thought that would have been my path. And even getting an economic development, most people even today that you ask don't know what economic development, or they they may know an idea of what economic development is, but everyone will give you a different definition Mm -hmm. or give you a different scenario. So no one knows. And even, you know, even my children who come to the office with me from time to time still haven't figured out what I do. 
So it, it's a long circuitous path, but along the way, I have definitely had people who helped me, taught me, great friends to this day who helped to encourage me when, you know, looking to make a move. Because, you know, especially me having six kids, picking up and moving six kids is a challenge and it's a big decision to make. And honestly, if it was my wife's decision, we'd have never left Clarksville, Tennessee. Uh, but, you know, Augusta has been the best stop I've had. I mean, all the other stops have been great. We've been successful. We had great boards, but I'm having more fun in Augusta, you know, 19 years into economic development. But I've also discovered being in communities longer than Augusta, we all have a shelf life. Mm -hmm. At some point, there is something that has to change. And either you manage to change it or you got to be willing to move on. And fortunately, with my family and my children, when it was time to move on, it's all worked out. It was time to move on and it worked out for the better. I love that. And I always, when every time you say six kids, I always just want to like tip my hat because I have five and people ask me all the time, how do you do this with five kids? And I'm like, you know, you learn after like, I don't know, the third one, you realize you're outnumbered and it just is a little bit chaotic and, you know, it's just, you're managing chaos, but I always right. say to people, five might be chaos. too many, but I don't know which one I give back. So I'm going to stick with five. But when you say six, I'm like, you, you got me, you got me beat. <laughs> well, technically I'm down to five. My oldest is out of the house and married. Yes. But you still, you still worry <laughs> about them. Absolutely. You, know? <laughs> you still Absolutely. worry about them. Yeah. Well, yours are, you're, you haven't got a few a little closer than in age than I do. Yeah. So <laughs> that's true. We've got the kind of Irish triplet situation, which is really wild. Now, mine are pretty close to you too, but yours are a little closer. Yeah. Well, Cal, it's always great to catch up with you. And I I love hearing about your leadership journey and just the success that you're having in Augusta. And like I said, you can tell that you're really on fire still for economic development and what you're doing. And it's always really cool to hear from communities who really are partnering with other in some ways, competitors are unlikely partners. Like it seems like you should be partners, but across state lines, across county lines, like some people would be like, I'm drawing a hard line there, you know, and I love to hear that you're, that you're being collaborative and competing, but also competing in a way that brings success to that region overall. It's just really cool. And just a demonstration that it, it, if you build good relationships with people, you can win together and be competing and kind of like building each other up at the same time. So it's a really cool story. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. It was all my pleasure. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. Yeah. And congratulations again on being one of the top 50 economic developers this year. Uh, Thank you. It's very much an honor. Thanks for sticking with us till the very end. This podcast is sponsored by Research on Investment, Lead Generation for Economic Development, and Gazelle AI. Spend more time closing, less time chasing. Did you like what you heard today? Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The America's Jobs Team podcast is audio engineered by Andrea Fuller and produced by Faye Davis.